In this episode, we're going to look at what is new in Rails 6. And the first thing that is new when you launch a new Rails 6 application that you'll see is the new welcome landing page. And while keeping the same artist style, they've updated it to be more inclusive. And one of the biggest things that I've noticed with a new Rails 6 application is that you no longer have your application.js file. So with Webpacker being the default now, under the app assets, you no longer have the JavaScripts folder. And in a future episode, we'll look at using JavaScript libraries with this new layout. Also in Rails 6, it now requires at least Ruby 2.5 or later, and any version earlier than 2.5 is no longer supported. And within Rails 6, we now have multiple database support natively. So in our database YAML file, we can set up something like a primary and a primary replica. And it's important to note that Rails will not handle the replication for you or the different databases for you. Instead, it'll be your responsibility to set up the appropriate replicas and then make sure that you have the correct connection points within your database YAML file. But for example, with SQLite, I have the normal development database, which I've set as the primary, but then with the primary replica, I've created a copy of the development database and I relabeled it as development replica. Just for purposes of this example, however, there are utilities with MySQL, Postgres, and SQLite where you can have it mirrored over to another database. And then within your model, you now have a connects to, and when you specify database, you can then pass in two different arguments. The writing, you would select whichever database you want to be for your primary for writing the data. And then you can have a reading database, which is going to be just for any kind of selects or pulls from data. In a Rails console, we can connect to whichever database we want to. And in this example, I'm specifying the reading and then I'm passing in the adapter and the database. And then I'm able to return the first user. And you can see that the record is returned. However, there's a much easier way to do this, where within the connected to, you can pass in a role and just specify the role that you want to use. So in this case, I'm pulling from the reading database, which is going to be our replica. And then right below there, I'm pulling the user first, which is going to pull it from the primary or the writing database. And the important thing to notice here is that because I did not set up a proper replication, then we have a divergence of information between our replica and our primary. And I did that on purpose here so you can see the difference in the data. So in the first query where it's pulling from our replica database, you can see that the first name is Dave. However, pulling it from our primary database, you can see that the first name is David. And so using multiple databases within your Rails application can have its own benefits and use cases. So if you have some calculations that are very intensive on reading from the database, but you also have a lot of writes coming in, then you may want to consider separating the two for performance reasons. And you might also have another situation where a database grows very large very quickly, and periodically you're going to move all of the historical data out to another database for record purposes where you're just going to read from it. However, there's no more new writes going into there and you want to separate that. So for the performance of the current data, it won't be infected by someone running reports from historical data. And another new feature is the action mailbox. And this is where you're able to send an email to a specified email address. And that email will be received by the Rails application. And because it's received by the Rails application, you're able to do various things with it. 
For example, you can have an email brought in, and then you can have it blasted out to several different groups. And be sure to check out episode 165, where I went much more in depth with Action Mailbox. But the basic idea with the application Mailbox RB file under the app mailboxes is that you'll have a section for routing. And this is where you're going to route the emails coming in into different groups. And based on that, the emails will be handled appropriately. And so in this example on line two, I'm taking any kind of email that has group at and then whatever the domain is, and I'm sending that to the group mailbox. And then on the third line, I'm taking all emails and I'm forwarding that over to the group. And so this is what the group mailbox would look like, where you have a lot of different built-in features with the action mailbox. You have before processing, around processing, or after processing as callbacks that you're able to use. But the entry point of this is going to be the process method, where you're then able to handle the email however you want. And once an email has been handled or parsed through, then it's going to get queued up to be incinerated within 30 days. However, if you do need to create some kind of email audit trail, then you're able to create an email audit as we see on line seven, where we are creating a new record and we're passing in some information about that email, like who the user is, who it's from, the subject of the email, and also we can use Active Storage to then save that email. And to do that in this example on the email audit, there is a has one attached content. Then on line 10, we are attaching to that content an IO stream of the content. And the content, if you see down below on line 27, is a private method where we are just checking if it is a multi-part email, in which case we are getting the HTML part. Otherwise, we are just getting the body and we're then decoding it in either case. And then back to line 10, we just specify a file name and then the content type. And because we are dealing with email, not everything is always handled properly, and emails are definitely not consistent. And so line 17 is going to be invoked whenever we run into any kind of exception. And typically, you're not going to want to rescue from every kind of exception like this. Instead, you want to put the proper handlings in place. But the important thing is that we are able to rescue from any kind of issue where the email was not able to be parsed correctly and then notify the user who originally sent the email that something went wrong with parsing the email. Another great feature within Rails is the action text. And look back at episode 167 where I covered action text into a lot more detail. But the basic idea is that you're going to get a WYSIWYG editor or a what you see is what you get editor. And it's based on the tricks editor from Basecamp. It's very seamless to integrate within the Rails application. And the amount of setup work that you have to do on it is very minimal. So with the Rails 6 application, you're not going to have to do a lot of the setup that we saw in episode 167 because we are using VIPs for image processing. And also because Action Text has been bundled within the Rails core, instead of having to rely on an external gem if you were targeting a Rails 5.2 or earlier application. But all you would have to do is run the Rails Action Text install, have a controller or model that you want to add the Action Text to, and notice that under the model, we have a has rich text content, yet we do not actually have a content attribute on our article model. And so in our controller, the only thing we would have to do is then permit the content. And then within the HTML, within a form object, you would just say the has rich text and then pass in your attribute content. 
and just doing a few small steps like that, you're then going to get a nice WYSIWYG editor. However, again, check out episode 167 for a more in-depth look into action text. And another interesting thing with Rails 6 is that you have blocked hosts. So if you create an application and you try going to it, if you're using something like PumaDev or NGROC, then you'll notice that you'll get this blocked host error. And the idea behind this is that the Rails application is only going to allow authorized hosts from accessing the application. So within your development.rb file, you can add in the config.host and then push into it whatever domains or subdomains that you want to allow in there. And there's been a lot of changes with tests in Rails 6. One notable one that we did not receive before is being able to test our action cable. So we now have an assert broadcast, and then we can check, for example, like the messages is zero. We can then do a broadcast and then check the messages is now one. You also get helpers like subscribe, and then assert has stream, and assert has stream four. And also, now we have paralyzed workers. So you don't need parallel tests anymore on a Rails 6 application. Now you can set up the Paralyze, set the number of workers, and then select how you want it to be handled, either through processes or threads. And there's been some nice changes with the active record to make our querying life a bit easier. So before, we would have something like a user.limit1 pluck name and then get the first record. Or you would have something like a user.whereID is1 limit one, pluck the name and email, and return the first record. However, in Rails 6 is introduced the pick method, where now you can just do a user.pick name, and you can see that the resulting query is the exact same as the first one. And it does support chaining, so you can still have a query where ID is one, and then pick the name and email. And another cool feature is the ability to change databases. I don't see this feature really being useful for a more mature application. However, I do see it being useful if you're just starting out. And instead of going through and changing everything from something like a MySQL to a Postgres database backend, now all you have to do is from your terminal, do a Rails DB system change, and then have the parameters to and then PostgreSQL, MySQL, SQLite, whatever your choice of database is. There's a lot more features and deprecations in Rails 6 than before. However, the initial looks upgrading from a Rails 5.2 application to a Rails 6 should be fairly painless. As long as you're not running on older dependencies, have a lot of gems in your gem file. And if your application is compatible with Ruby 2.5 and later. And if you haven't been over to drifterruby.com yet, I highly recommend that you go over there and sign up for a free account because we have some exciting content coming in the next few weeks, changes around the application to make it a more enjoyable experience. And if you like the content of Drift and Ruby and want to show your support, please sign up for the pro membership. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks for watching.